This is the September 16th edition of the Joy of Discovery podcast. I'm Ben Payton, and thank you for joining with us today. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew fishing. Jesus said, Come after me, and I will make you. Become fishers of men. And certainly, this is something we all need to learn. Mark chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse 15. Jesus, uh, of course, went to Galilee to preach the good news of the gospel. And he says this in verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So here's what you're supposed to do. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. And this is what makes it possible for you to enter into the kingdom. Is to repent. This has to do with the mind. Change of mind. Which results in the direction of your purpose. Repent. Change the way you think. And because you do that, then you embrace or believe the gospel. How do you believe it? You place your confidence in it. You trust in it. And the Bible says, believe and you can be saved. As he walked, talking about Jesus, by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Why? For they were fishermen. Then Jesus said something very profound. He spoke a word to them. Come after me and I will make you become fishers of men. I researched this a little bit and looked at it in several different translations and I came up with something that really brings it into our modern language. Come, be my disciples and I will show you how to fish for people. So that's what it means when he says I will make you, I'm going to show you, I'm going to demonstrate for you how to become fishers of men. Sometimes we have to have people show us how to do things, don't we? I remember when I was starting my recording business, I hired an engineer who was a nice guy, but he didn't know a whole lot. And when he got through, I think the hum on the equipment was louder than my voice. I was trying to feed through it. But um, I found out the reason it was humming is because it didn't know the words. But um, later I had a real engineer come down and hook up. We went to Radio Shack and he hooked up a whole studio for me and I watched him. He showed me how to do it. And from that point on, I did it myself. So Jesus is saying to these disciples, if you'll come, 
Now, disciple is a word that means learner. If you'll come and you'll learn of me, I'll show you how to become something far more than just fishing for fish, but fish for men and bring them into the kingdom of God. Now, that's pretty powerful stuff. You can walk away right now and you've got enough to chew on and enough to believe because Jesus said he can do it. Verse 18, we see their response. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. There was something persuasive about the way Jesus said this. He said it was some kind of love and some kind of passion and some kind of boldness and some kind of of words that compelled them to walk away from everything. When he'd gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after them. Now, if I wasn't preaching a sermon, if I was leading Bible study on Wednesday night, the question that is so obvious to me is, how come Zebedee and the hired servants didn't follow Jesus too? Do you know what the answer is? He didn't call them. He didn't call them. He called James and his brother. You know what amazes me about this story? Jesus was looking for disciples, right? Did he go to a local synagogue? No. Did he recruit followers from the best of Galilee's Christian school? No. Was he combing the corridors of the temple for some pious, hot prospects? No. You see, that's what we would do. We would begin to say, we've got to find hot prospects. We've got to go to the right schools, the right place. Jesus began his search for disciples by heading down to the docks. The folks with withered skin and dirt under their fingernails were his prime picks. People who knew something about hard labor with little or no reward. It sounds like what you get when you come into the church, isn't it? Hard work, little or no reward. Not much appreciation from the people around. What you get most of the time is a significant amount of criticism. See, Jesus knew that. He knew the kind of people to pick. The kind of people who never win any awards for their religious awareness but for their faithfulness, their willingness to follow. Few observations and we're out of here. Why should God choose such common stock for servanthood? According to Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.27, it was to shame the wise and the strong of this world. You see, that's the way the world does it. In other words, to make things that look important look unimportant. He's not impressed with the things we're impressed with. Mostly, he chose such common stock mostly because it was so that no one could boast before God. 
He's not looking for those people who brag about all of their awards that they've gotten in the church or how pious they are or how many people they've helped. That's not the kind of people he's looking for. Boasting is a big problem in the church, isn't it? My gosh, I've encountered some pastors, and you make a big mistake when you say, how are things going? You better find you a seat and sit down because they're going to tell you. And they're going to run it up one side of the pole and down the other. And before long, you're going to say, oh, my goodness, is God doing anything or are you doing all this? Boasting is a big problem in the church, and actually it didn't begin in the church. It started with the disciples. They argued about who was to be the greatest. You remember that? A couple of the disciples even took their mommy with them to come in and plead their case. And what did Jesus say? Mark 10, verse 43. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. So if you want to be great, roll up your sleeves and start serving others. That's what greatness is about in the kingdom of God. I like what John F. Kennedy said about our country. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Ask not what God can do for you, but ask what you can do for God to help build the kingdom of God. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? I want you to be a servant, an attendant, a deacon. See, people think deacons are the guys that are supposed to run the church. The deacons are the guys that are supposed to serve the people. They want to run the show. They need to be working for the people. Verse 44 in that Mark chapter 10, And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. That's of every kind, every variety. It's radical in the sense. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. After all, we have little reason to boast. In the words of Paul, it's because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you did not choose him, but he chose you. Do you see that? He chose these disciples. He selected them. And you don't come and say, I'm choosing Jesus. God begins to draw you. The Holy Spirit begins to convict you. And you begin to see your state, your position before God, that you're a sinner. And then you come. Because it's not an intellectual thing. You can't come bringing any of your goodness. One day Jesus took a stroll by the docks and said to some common laborers, that's in verse 18, follow me. Follow me. Why should God choose such common stock for statehood? Mostly because no one could boast before God. He's not looking for people who are anxious to brag. Second observation, he says, I will make you 
Now get this. It's not about your potential. And it's not about your power. It's about him. It's about Christ. It's about his promise. It's about his presence in your life. I don't know about this, but I'm going to lay this out here, and, and I believe it to be true. I believe that we have to practice the presence of God in our life. How do you do that? Well, I believe you do it by trusting totally and completely in him and having faith in him. And when you've got problems, you don't turn to the telephone and ask somebody. You go to him and say, Lord, I need strength in this area. I need trust. I, I need to trust you more and believe in you more. I seek guidance. I seek direction. And help me to reside in the confidence that it's going to be taken care of. Understand we don't qualify for the position by padding our resume with exaggerated attributes. We become Christ followers by an act of sheer grace. So don't you see it's not about us. It's about him. Yet we dream of the day when we'll make our mark in the world and somehow that desire gets under our Christian skin as well. We want to do something striking for the Lord. We hope our contribution will be significant. We yearn for our devotion to be more dynamic, but Jesus is unimpressed with all that stuff. Don't you understand he's not looking for superstars? See, that's the mentality we have. We want to make everybody a superstar. Got to, you know, let's get the superstars to come in. I'm working with a committee um, in one of the neighborhoods in downtown Roanoke, and we're talking about having a, a special revival, a special festival to reach the young people in the, in the Melrose district. And uh, it was brought up in one of our board meetings that, man, we need to get a superstar. We need to get a Michael Jordan or somebody to come in. That's our mentality. Of course, it probably wouldn't hurt, but that's not what it's about. You see, when Jesus calls us to follow, there's this element of the unknown. He's not looking for superstars. He's scanning the crowd looking for some faithful, faithful followers. And when he calls us, there's this element of unknown. That's why it requires faith to be a follower of Jesus because there's this unknown factor. It's difficult to deal with the unknown, isn't it? I'm struggling with that in some areas of my life right now. Doesn't mean it can't be done. Faith assures us that no matter where we are called to serve, Christ is always one step ahead of us. Isn't that comforting? He's always one step ahead of us. Even more important, because Christ is always there before us, we need not rely on our own strength, our own ability, and character to see us through. We need to rely on Jesus. Rhetorical question. How many of you are doing that today? How many of us are doing that today? Relying 
totally on Jesus to see us through. He said, I will make you, I will show you. But it's not about power or potential. Here's a third observation. Faith empowers us to enter the most unlikely circumstances with confidence. But only because we follow him who said and says, I will make you, I will show you how to get the job done. I will make you be a powerful prayer, a talented teacher, a competent spiritual counselor, a committed Christian. If you'll permit me, I'll, I'll help you. I'll show you. Because we follow Christ, he makes us what we need to be. When we need to be it. Confidence. Last observation. Whenever we follow, we must leave something behind. This is the most difficult thing. Maybe that's why he once said in Matthew 10, 38, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. His cross, figuratively uh, meaning exposure to death or self-denial, going the same way he's going. He denied himself. We don't want to deny ourselves of anything in this life. And I, I'll tell you, and you know this to be true, that if we would learn to deny ourselves in, in certain areas of our life, we'd be a lot happier. Wouldn't we? We'd be a lot happier. If we would learn to deny ourselves, that's something hard to do. I, that's why it says the fruit of the Spirit, and it names nine flavors, fruit singular, nine flavors, and the last one is self-control. But I don't think ever in society have we been tempted more than we are today. My God have mercy. How many TV channels can you get? How many radio stations can you get? Every day I got to go through the junk mail. Credit card deal after credit card deal. I could probably come up with a million dollars on credit cards in one day. Magazines. And they've got all sorts of cunning ways of trying to get you. You know, we haven't received your payment yet for $12. Well, that's because I didn't order it. You idiot. I called one of them and I said, look, we want to cancel this. Well, I came to find out I'd never ordered it. It was the way it was worded. They had me fooled. I thought I owed them money. I was calling to beg them to relieve me of this. Was it saying, Peter, beware of the wiles or the schemes of the devil? And those things... Those four followers from the shores of Lake Galilee were content tossing and mending their nets. Then along came Jesus and the four became followers simply by being promised by Jesus that he would make them. He would show them how to be true disciples. So this brings us down to one thing 
What must we leave behind? If we're going to let him make us, or in the language of the New Living Translation, or if we're going to permit him to show us how to be disciples and accomplish the great... What are we going to have to leave behind? My wife is excellent at trivial pursuit. That's one of the times in life that I would approach a point of maybe not liking her very much unless she's on my team. Because she has all the answers to trivial pursuit. Well, Blair came in with a TV trivia. I got mom on this one. She'll not know all the answers to this. And he started asking her questions. And she continued to answer them correctly. How disgusting. He finally came up on one. He said, I know you won't answer this question. But she answered it. So the point is, what must we leave behind? Do you know what the answer is? If we're going to follow Jesus, become his disciple, he's going to show us what must we leave behind? Self. Which in essence is all of it. But that narrows it down. If we're going to be his disciple and follow him and let him teach us, that's what a disciple means, to be a learner, to be teachable, then we've got to leave self behind. Leave my agenda behind. I'm not here to do anything, impress anybody. I'm here to do one thing, to be a disciple of Jesus. And I want to show him, and in order to do that, drop dead. Drop dead to the old life, and he'll resurrect you to a new life. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be.
decision today to let Jesus make you fishers of men. Be sure and catch the Joy of Discovery podcast each Wednesday morning, and you'll find us on all the podcast apps listed on our website, benpayton.com.